Welcome to this week's episode of Eye of the Swarm, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics. With the Big Sound, Matt Johnson, I am John Garver, Season 5, Episode 5, which begs the question, where was Episode 4? <laughs> Technology's an awesome thing. Yes. It allows um, us to sit here and, and do this every week, and it allows us to broadcast and create and, um, all kinds of fun stuff, but... I will do the apology if you want me to. No, it's okay. Okay. If you don't turn the microphones on... <laughs> it doesn't do you any good. And that's yes. kind of what we ran into last week. Is, yes, uh, we were supposed to have Allison DeGroat and Lindry Schendel from Women's Soccer Not on. supposed to. We did. We did, and then we found out that we could not use the footage because Mr. Garber's microphone well, my was My microphone inoperative. was not operating, so yeah, it would have been those three, loud and clear, and yeah. this one here would have been... And very, nobody wants me quiet. to lead the conversation. Correct. Correct. Trust me. So, so without John, but, we had to cut it. Unfortunately, that, that one hits the uh, the cutting room floor. Yes. So we uh, we skip over number four. And, skip over number four. Uh, go, go right to number and five. Go right to number five, and uh, and here we are. Yeah, here we are. The, the end of October, and it's getting cooler outside, but things heating up a little bit. It is. We and, got a lot happening. And, yeah. And a lot of it is good. Yeah. And there's uh, there's a chance for some serious hardware this week. Um, you know, the teams did well last week. Wasn't a lot of stuff happening in the last week in terms of the teams, right. but. All the teams had a pretty good week. Mm-hmm. Uh, men's and women's soccer both won both of their matches. Women's soccer scored 11 goals in their game against North Central. You know, and it was in torrential rains. Yeah. And you're sitting there watching this going, okay, Not the greatest I, I, of understand you're, I understand scoring. You've got players in the match who don't necessarily get a lot of playing right. time. Yeah. They're getting the opportunity to score. I get it. But at the same time, everybody's miserable because it's just it was rain. Yeah, it was a very long <laughs> couple of games. Um, men won their game against North Central that same day, 6 nothing. Uh, and then both teams went on the road down to New Ulm on Saturday and defeated Martin Luther. Women won 5-1, men won 3-0. Um, on the men's side, UWS used a lot of substitutions and a lot of uh, bench players, which was a good thing. Yep. Um, they're a little bit leg-weary at this point of the season. There's two regular season games to go for the men, three for the women. Uh, before the UMAC tournament starts, both teams, of course, are going to be in the UMAC tournament. No surprise there. Well, and both teams got a little bit of help yep. with the yep. other teams this over the course of the last week, so yep, yep. now both of them are on the cusp of raising yeah, a banner. They're one win away or even some points away from clinching uh, respective conference titles. Mm-hmm. Not surprising they were both preseason picks right. to be conference uh, champions, but still when you get to that end of the journey and you're one step away, it's kind of nice to have it. The men have their chance tonight as we record this on a Tuesday against Northland College. If they win or tie, uh, they will clinch a share, or if they win outright, they will clinch the regular season conference crown for the mm-hmm. sixth straight season. So that would be something that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, on the women's side, they are playing at UW Stout here on this Tuesday, but they'll be back tomorrow. They'll also take on Northland College. Uh, those are the opponents for the Yellow Jackets, and it's the same story tomorrow. Same if they story win, tomorrow, yep. they're going to clinch their third straight uh, UMAC regular season crown. So there's hardware on the line for both those teams. They mm-hmm. both are well aware. <laughs> I know that because I've talked to the coaches from both right. of them uh, of the circumstances, but they're also uh, you know kind of cautiously optimistic that they want to be able to get through these games, not drop anything, not not get in their own heads, and just play the game. So right, uh, and, that's, and stay healthy. Yes, yes. Uh, on the volleyball side of things, uh, the women are pretty much locked into that number three seed. It sure now. looks like it. Yeah, they've, they've got a really big match coming up this weekend. They with do Morris with Morris, uh, and there's some tiebreaker stuff that could happen there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know that could influence whether they're number two or number three seed. Northwestern, of course, as usual leading the pack, and they've kind of run away a little bit. In the yeah, I watched – we played there Saturday. Yeah. And I, I was watching that, and uh, – They're an impressive outfit. Very impressive. You know, they I, – I know that there's people – you can't say good things about someone else in the conference. How can you not? Yeah. You know, you watch them play. What Beth has built there is really impressive. <laughs> Excuse me. They they don't make mistakes. No. They don't give you anything. Yeah. They, they force you – to make plays. To make plays. Yeah. And and the, and if you do, they're like, yeah, great. We'll just make more plays than you will. I yeah. mean, they're, we'll, we'll step it up if we have to. They're just they're, they're such a complete team. Yeah. There's a complete. reason they're ranked four in the country. There's yep. a reason they went to the Final Four last year. There's a reason they've been ranked in the top five almost the entire season. Yeah. You know? Yep. And they, they played, I, I think, St. Olaf, your alma mater, yep. on, on Friday night and had a mm-hmm. five-setter with them and, and lost, but... Right. That's a power program too. Yep. Yep. So it's 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 fun to watch. It is. It is a, a team um, that is is that deep, that good, and just that complete. We had uh, when I was at Saint Olaf, and I'm not going to plug Saint Olaf too much, but we had a, a program similar to that with the women's volleyball program. They've come back a little bit, mm-hmm. um, 
But uh, Cindy Book was the head coach there at the time, and we were consistently ranked while I was there between five and ten in the country. Yep. And volleyball matches were a thing. People came to watch them play. And in Northwestern, they support their programs really well as it is, but Beth has done a really good job. And she didn't start out with the program where it is. No. She's built it she to built where it, it is. Yeah. So she, she built it. Really know. impressive. Uh, that actually that loss to Northwestern snapped a six game winning streak for the Yellow Jackets. So right. UWS has been playing some pretty good ball themselves as of late. Uh, still a couple of regular season matches to go um, before the UMAC tournament, but they're the number three seed as of right now, which would put them on the road as of today yep. at, Morris at Morris for the semifinal. Again, still some matches to play before that's right. made official, but that's what it's looking more and more like. Yeah, the top four is pretty much, I think, set. Yeah, because Martin Luther's in that four. Martin slot, Luther's in that four I, slot. I, yeah, you know, I, I would be surprised. If and there those... are a couple games up. Everybody's up at least a couple games. Yeah, four so slot. I, yeah. I don't. Th- I wouldn't be surprised. To, you know, I, I would be surprised if it was somebody other than those four teams that advanced to the yeah. tournament. But you know, where they all end up, I guess it, it could still change. But yep, it certainly it feels like they're kind of locked in at that. Yeah, point. they're they're pretty well locked in there right now because Bethany Lutheran is in fifth, but they're pretty distant fifth right now. Mm-hmm. So. It's looking like, yeah, it'll be the top four of Northwestern, Morris, the Yellow Jackets, and also Martin Luther. Right. So that's that's kind of set up there on that side. Uh, for the men's and women's soccer side of things, um, it's looking like there's still some stuff that could be decided on the men's side. There's a there's a chance still because I think the women are the, the top four are pretty much locked they in. are what they are. They're yeah, locked they're in. Pretty where much they locked are. in. On the men's side, there's a possibility. Crown that, right now is on the number but four. That's, uh, yeah. It'd be Superior, Northwestern, Bethany, and Crown. Uh, on right. the on the on the women's side, it would be yeah yeah that's those are the four yeah on the men's side right now it would be the Yellow Jackets, Bethany Lutheran, Northland, Northland and, Crown. and Crown. But Crown uh, has a tough road ahead because they have to play us and then they have to play. Um, I think it's either Bethany or I think it's Bethany. I, I think, think they still have to play the yeah, top. Yeah, they have to play. They have to play the top two. And Northwestern has Northland. And I'm forgetting who the other team is they have to play. But anyway, there's a chance because there's just like a one or two point difference between them, depending how things work out, that Northwestern could still sneak into that number four spot. Mm-hmm. And that would be probably who the Yellow Jackets would have to play then in the first round. Sure. Um, but again, like, I mean, right now, as it is right now, the top four on the women's side are Yellow Jackets, Bethany Lutheran, Northwestern, Northwestern actually number two, Bethany Lutheran number three, and then Crown number four. And that's mm-hmm. pretty well set. On the men's side, as of today, is the L Jackets, Bethany Lutheran, Northland, and Crown. Yep. Now that could change, you know, again over the next couple of games, but that's where they stand right now. And then, of course, you've got the cross country teams that are going uh, down to it's championship a, week this week. Yeah, and they're running a course that they've never seen before. Yep, in Winthrop, Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Uh, technically, I think the host is split between Bethany Lutheran and Martin Luther for oh, that. I think so. Yeah, um, I think so. But it's a course that none of the teams in the conference have seen before. Right. So this is going to be kind of a crapshoot. Yeah, and I, I, yeah, you know, at the same time, a bit kind of fun too. Yes, yeah. So present some unique challenges. Sure, uh, cross country runners tend to be most comfortable when they're running on a course they know, uh, for obvious reasons. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, this is going to be a brand new experience for everybody. Sure. So you're going to have eight teams down there that are running that have never seen this course before, both on the men's and women's side. So we'll see what that looks like. Yeah, and <laughs> all of that is is fall, right and now. Yep. You got two hockey teams yeah, opening the, the season this weekend yeah. too. So. There's a lot happening. There's, There's a, a lot, lot happening. happening. That crossover part of the season is is really busy. It's horrible. Wow. <laughs> it's horrible. You know, let's call it what it is. You know, a crossover season's terrible. I don't call it horrible. For, I call it busy. For people who are – no, it's hard. It's terrible. <laughs> for people who are support staff, and I'm talking about the comms people right. and the yeah. athletic trainers, yeah. you know, it's hard right. because yeah. there is so much going on and there's so right. many things you can miss. You know, grateful that golf got their championship out of the way a couple of weeks ago. Grateful that tennis has done with their fall stuff now. Because, yeah, now we're into we're in like like you know, conference and then, run. Yeah. You know, you're going to go to next week, and then you're going to add in basketball. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it, it's going to come hot and heavy here in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, it's going to be uh, a busy couple of weeks, but it's it's a great time. Here. It's a great time because there is a lot of hardware that can be claimed and is going to be up for grabs. Of course, uh, the women's men's and women's soccer teams will also be home mm-hmm. for at least one round of the playoffs, and uh, or probably for both. We're anticipating if they continue on. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's gonna be a lot happening, and so there's there's plenty to look at. Uh, of course, go to the Athletics website to find out more about all of this stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a fun time here. It's very very busy. It's very stressful for people like Mr. Garber across yep. the table from me. But it's a lot of fun because usually the teams come out with a with at least one or two trophies out of it. You know, so. you, and if you if you look ahead to the uh, Saturday, November fourth, you've got the volleyball team is at home, and that's their regular season finale. You've got women's hockey at home, 
mm-hmm. and you've got potential to have the UMAC championship matches for both soccer teams yep, at home. At home. We've had that the last two years. And but yeah, it's... you know, you're you're <laughs> we're right now just sitting here looking at this, going, "How are we going to staff all this stuff?" I don't even have enough computers to go around to run everything yeah. that needs to be run. We don't have you know enough staff to go. How in the world are we going to pull this off? <laughs> right. Yeah. This is why Mr. Garber is, is saying it's horrible. It's, that, that's that's, that's, that's his... when it becomes horrible. Yes. You yes. Know, but... It's fun for people like me who don't have to deal with any of that because I just get to broadcast the games. Yep. But <laughs> but we'll, we'll figure it out. We always yes, do. Yes. Yes. And by the way, those soccer games this week uh, will both be, uh, that are at home, will both be on 91.3 FM and also on the iPan Sports Network. So you can check it in and uh, you can listen to me on the radio or you can listen to me and also watch it. Because I'll uh, iFan uses our feed, so yeah, and you'll have the uh, both women's hockey games as well. We'll yep. be on iFan and KUWS, mm-hmm. and the men's hockey opener at St. Glasgow also be on KUWS. Yeah, so, so there's a lot coming up. A lot here. happening here. Yeah, there's there, a lot going on. We'd there's be remiss if we also didn't touch on uh, athletes of the week: Philip Erickson, Nia Wilson. Yeah, yeah. Sweeping the offensive honors in soccer. No surprise there. Nia no, Wilson. No shock. She's one goal short of 20 for the season. Uh, the most she's ever scored in a season, I think, is right on 20. I think mm-hmm. it's 20. So she's went away from her record in Phil. Erickson uh, had a rough start to the year. Finally, yeah, you know, he's finally, finally got off the got off a little bit. Had four goals in the last two games, and uh, seems to be finding his stride at the right time. Uh, you know, so and certainly the Yellow Jackets will will be happy to have some offense from him uh, coming up here because uh, right now UWS averaging on both sides, both teams averaging right around three and a half goals a year on the uh, per game. Excuse me, on the year, but. Uh, if you can, the more offense you can add, the better. Yep. So, Especially at this point, just, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You can never score enough goals, right? No, no. And uh, you know, the men have scored sixty-one now on the season. The women are at fifty-eight, I think, is where they're at. I wonder if they have a little internal, you know, yeah, we can score more than you kind of thing going on. I don't know because they don't give up a lot, right? Uh, the men have given up a grand total of eleven goals so far this season through their what is it now, six, 18 games? No, it's not that many. Seventeen. Well, maybe it is 18. 13, 3, and 2. Or 13, 3, and 2, I think, is it is. Yeah, right? so, yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, you're yeah right. and the women have played 16, I think. 12, 4, and... Oh, they played 17. Yeah, 12, 12 4, and 1. 12, 4, and 1. Yeah. So, yeah, they are both uh, they both score a lot of goals. They're both usually along, among the national leaders in goal scored. So, and in that regard, they're right where they normally where they, are. Where they should be. Yep, exactly, exactly. So, fun stuff coming up. It's going to be very busy. Uh, if John had hair, it would be falling out right now. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's more of the same. Yeah, so uh, and also fun stuff coming up for us is we will have uh, head coach Glenn Drexler and junior Hallie Barker from the women's cross country team. She's putting together one heck of a year. Yes, yes, she is. She is. She's uh, she's been, I think, one of the breakout stars of the fall. She's for had UWS. three three races. I think they've only run four. Yeah, and three times she has locked in a top ten all time yeah. time. She's with, having a great with what year. she's done. Yeah. So she's really having an incredible year. Yeah, she's doing really well, and uh, credit to her and credit to, the, to our guest Yeah, coming up next. Yeah, so we'll take a break here, and when we come back, we'll have our roundtable segment uh, with Glenn Drexler and Hallie Barker. Uh, you're not going to want to go away. Stay tuned. This is Eye of the Swarm. We're back on the roundtable segment of this week's Eye of the Swarm, and being that it is championship week for the Yellow Jacket cross-country teams, only appropriate that we have representatives from the programs with us. Head coach Glenn Drexler is with us, as is Hallie Barker. And I want to start with you because you are putting together a whale of a season. So talk to us a little bit about how you've taken that next step. Um, Yeah, this has been quite a season for me and for all the team. Um, Last year, I had kind of a downfall. I've had some health issues and... Um, that kind of set me back, but um, I was able to figure those out. And this summer, and I took on a lot of miles. I got a lot of base mileage in, and I've just been working super hard this season, and it's starting to pay off, and it's been really exciting. We talked a little bit about this last week, <clears throat> you and me, with regard to my niece and building mm-hmm. up miles. And one of the things that you said was, you'll see gains just by increasing your miles. Mm-hmm. So what was the increase for you? Um, I started... So I honestly, the biggest jump for me was before I didn't even track my mileage really. So this summer I really made sure I was getting, I built up to like 50 miles a week and tried to hold that as long as I could. And then I incorporated a lot of hill training as well. And just having the base. But miles aren't enough. Let's start going up the hill. (laughs) Yeah, just having the base honestly helps a lot because you're able to push harder in workouts. You can't do, you can't 
increase your intensity and your mileage at the same time. So having that base mileage really helped me be able to build my intensity as well. How did you space that out? I mean, how many days off during the week would you take? Or were you just, I'm, I'm going and doing something every single day? I'm the type of runner, I can do six six days a week. And then I usually take Sundays off and do some cross training is usually the best for me. What kind of cross training do you do? I like to bike and I like to hike a lot. Not quite, I've tried to get into swimming, but I'm not quite the swimmer type. <laughs> <laughs> do you, can you swim? Or I can you swim, swim like but a rock? then I realize why I run because I can't swim. <laughs> <laughs> okay, scratch the triathlon off the list. <laughs> right, of yeah, to do. it's not going to be in her future plans, I don't think. No. So from the coaching standpoint, I mean, obviously that is a, a case study in, in what you preach. And you, you have that example right in the locker room now of I can point directly to this person and say, this doing everything that I'm saying and, and look what's happening. And that, that's got to be a, a cool feeling and, and also a validating feeling for you. Yeah, I mean, sure. The biggest thing has always been, you know, it, it's what they do in the summer. And I, I, I get to put them to work once they get here, but ultimately I can't do any of it unless they've done their homework. And so really all the credit goes to the athletes and, and Hallie's, like I said, that's the example right there. And, and she's not the only one. A, a lot of the girls that came in this fall were prepared for, for something more than they've been doing, which was awesome. And, and again, I can't take any credit for that at all. It's, they got to get out the door every day. And that's, that's sometimes that's half the battle, mm -hmm. you know, just getting out the door every day and making it consistent is really hard, especially in the summer when you have no other motivation other than yourself. And, to, to Hallie's credit and to a lot of the, the girls' credit and guys, um, they're getting out every day. And, and if they can do that, we're going to have some success in training. We're going to have some success in the, in the performances as well, which is awesome. So, yeah, it's, it's some validation, but it's, like I said, it's, it's based on their efforts, their work. So. How, how many, you know, she was getting upwards of 50 miles a week. How many miles a week do you want to see your athletes putting in over the course of a summer so they can, <sighs> when they get here, they're they're ready to jump into what you want to put them through. Yeah, great question. Uh, you know, here's the thing: it's 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 an individually based thing. I can't I can't say every runner is going to have 50 miles a week. Um, some people just aren't prepared for that. Uh, if we have kids coming out of high school, gals, guys, whatever, who've only done up to 30 miles a week in their career, you know, kind of on an average, um, I'm not going to jump them up too much from that. You know, it might be 35 to 40 on their first summer, mm -hmm. right? Um, so. Case by case, there's going to be situations to say, yeah, you're ready for this 50 miles a week. Um, but I, I think even Hallie can admit that even if she was, to, you know, forget all of the, the things that she went through medically or, or everything else, you know, 50 miles a week wasn't something that I think she could have stepped into immediately. She, she had to see what it could take, you know. Um, the, the kind of success she had last spring in the track season kind of opened her eyes of, I want more. Mm -hmm. and, and by that, it was, it was internal it was her own motivation to say, okay, this is what I'm going to start doing to get there. So, like I said, we can point it out to them. We can kind of show them what, what's possible. Um, but ultimately, internally, they got to accept the idea that, yes, I want more and I want to take that next step. Did you have some accountability within the roster where, whether it's the, the group chat or whatever, hey, I'm doing my 12 miles today or I ran up Spirit Mountain today. What are what are you doing? Yeah, I was actually very fortunate this summer. Um, Cora, who's been with me all season, she stayed around this summer, so we would go and do hills together and run together. And it's a lot easier to go and get out the door when you have some other kind of motivation to push you. So I was very lucky to have that. Then I guess not really a coincidence that she's also having mm -hmm. a very, very good year. Mm -hmm. You know. Yeah, you know, we'll see this. And this is, this is a little bit of an sometimes an incentive to, to stick around in the summer. You know, the, the successes that our guys have had, a lot of it comes back to, a lot of it, not all of it, but a lot of it comes back to the consistency of if there's three, four, five, six guys around in the summer, well, they're going to be running together a lot more often. Mm -hmm. This is just a, the same, same discussion. Now the gals are starting to see that too. And, you know, to credit Cora's credit, she stuck around this summer. Um, she didn't have to. She could have went home. But I think she saw the value in being able to run with her teammates and, and spend some time with those people. And there's so much they, they get out of that beyond just the preparedness of the season, um, the performances, you know, just they're close. You know? and, yeah, it's fun. Yeah. And it's fun watching these two kind of work together. So, um, so yeah, it's, there's so much to it that allows the team to kind of rise with them. 
can always tell too. You'll be yeah. driving down Twenty First Street and you see eight of them, yeah, all, all running yeah. together. Mm-hmm. So it's you can always tell when when they're in town and they're, when they're out getting a workout in. I think mm-hmm. that that's pretty much though across the board because I see that in Duluth as well and Superior both. It's it, they're vibrant running communities, of course, hosting Grandma's Marathon. So it's not like. Um, you know, distance running is foreign to the area. There are a lot of distance runners in the area, mm-hmm. I think, just naturally. Um, you know, and Hallie, she's from Superior. Yeah. So it's not like, you know, she went far to go to college. I mean, she's around all the summer. And uh, like you said, sometimes it, it is just a case of having teammates around you. I mean, that goes for every sport, I think, right. at a certain level. Like, if, mm-hmm. you're, if you have teammates that are around you during the summer, it's like, yeah, we should probably go get a workout in, huh? And then they look and say, yeah, yeah, we probably should. Whereas if you're going solo, then it's like, I got nobody yeah, else I'll to run later. With. Yeah, I'll get into it later, maybe. But um, I'll start next week. Yeah, now it's July. <laughs> right. We'll do it after the fourth. And yeah, then. exactly. And you come in the preseason, and it's like, whoa, holy smokes! Mm-hmm. I'm lagging a lot on miles now. My legs can't take it. You know, like that. That sort of in this area, that's kind of part of the summer thing, though. I think is there, there's a lot. Of, I mean, this is a pretty vibrant running community. And I don't know if you guys have noticed that or not. Just overall, though, it's it's kind of easier to get into it, I would think. If you if you do have a lot of people that you even, not necessarily teammates, you can say, hey, I'm going to go for a run. You want to, like, take a run with me? I don't know, Hallie, if you've noticed that or not. but Yeah, there's a lot. And um, same with, like, my high school. Um, there's always people to run with. And I, I still see them running around. And so it's been – it's like – it's a lot more motivating when you got people to support and people that care about the sport as well, too. You've got a, a young roster on, mm-hmm. on the women's side, so talk to me a little bit about what that's been like working through some of the ups and downs of a season with, with the youth. Yeah, it's, it's the, yeah, young, young roster, but obviously talented. They're, they've got a lot of upside. Um, now it's a matter of, like I said, starting to see what is possible within themselves. Um, you know, as an example, some of the freshmen we got, you know, I think that they're getting introduced to what collegiate running is, to what commitment of running is, to what performance is, and what it will take. Um, having people like Hallie and Cora having gone through it themselves and, and, and as, as examples of what performance can be um, is good. And I think that they're seeing that and, and looking forward to that opportunity themselves. So people like Lily or uh, Aubrey or, or even Peyton um, talking about how they're seeing what's what they could do and looking to their own future to say, I want to do this or this or this or whatever it is. And, and they're, they're buying into it, so it's, it's pretty cool to see their, their commitment to it. And it really makes for an interesting meet coming up with the, mm-hmm. the UMAC Championships here this, this Saturday as we record this on a Tuesday. I'm not going to ask you to divulge anything strategically or anything like that, but how do you how do you feel about this this young group going into a conference championship for the first time? Yeah, well, you know, for me, what I'm looking at is we have no pressure on us. Ultimately, um, we're not the returning champions. Uh, we're not the ones that were ranked number one. So we, there's no pressure on us to go out and do anything. Um, we have a very young team, and to that, you know. I don't know what's going to necessarily show up sure. just yet. Mm-hmm. Um, even with Hallie, I think she's she in her own way is a little nervous about things at times. Um, she has no reason to be. You know, just go out and run our race, and I think we're going to be fine. Um, it's just, like I said, it's going to matter of who shows up that day. Um, I've seen it before with even our men's team. Like last year was a great example, uh, a team that I felt like we should have no problem kind of doing really well, but they got there and they were scared. They, they walked off the bus like they'd never done it in their lives. And it mm-hmm. was an interesting, you know, thing to see. Um, so, so really, like I said, with a young team, it will, we'll see who shows up. Um, and I, I'm, I'm not worried about that. I, I'm, not, I'm really just worried about, you know, the process of let's go out and run our race. And if we run our race, we're going to put ourselves in a really good position to do well. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all I can ask for, you know. So that's what I'm looking for from our girls this weekend is just – Run within yourselves, um, be yourselves, and, and you're going to be great. So that's where we're going to be, and I, I think we'll be okay. Without divulging anything strategically that you want to do, what is your race? When you are running your perfect race, what is it? Um, my plan is just to go out with confidence. I know what I've done. I'm not prepared. And then on the day is what the day is, and I can just go out there and know that I've been prepared. And I think that um, – I'm kind of have to go out as a leader too for my team. If I go out with confidence and show them that it's possible, they'll follow me along and 
see what we can do. This interesting dynamic for athletes like Hallie, and the reason why I say that is because most of these athletes, if not all of them, are crossover athletes as well because you have the you know track and field as well coming up after the cross-country season is over. Um, how does that affect your approach? Does it affect your approach at all? I mean, as far as – because you've been in UMAC championships before, obviously with track and field and with cross-country in your case. Um, but does that, does that affect your approach at all when you go into, into a championship? Um, yes and no. I would say a lot track – this last past track season actually helped build my confidence a lot. I saw that I could do it, and it was possible for me to do it against these girls that are still running in cross country. So I think that um, the confidence that I built on the track is gonna—I'm gonna bring it along with cross country. I'm glad you must see that too, though, as well, being the coach for both as well. That you see that, you know, you can take things from each championship, I suppose, and then kind of apply them to future championships as well. And you're the only coach I know that usually literally has three championships in a season <laughs> that your teams uh, you know you have six teams that are going basically mm-hmm. into championship seasons all you know going to championships each year so I mean I don't know if you see that as well but yeah no absolutely I in in for Hallie's case you know just to speaking to that you know last spring was an eye-opener for her you know and I think that was like I said that was the motivation of what she did this summer right and and so by having the kind of success she had last spring in the outdoor in particular, um, things started to really blossom for her, and this is the results of it uh, are her you know times and performances. Um, so yeah, I think that that's absolutely a piece of it. Now it's a matter of like I said, if we can get the rest of them on board with really seeing what's possible out of this. Um, and I'm not talking about conference championships or anything like that. I'm talking about just even personal performance of and personal confidence. I mean. Hallie's not the same person she was last year at this time at all, and, and it's awesome to see. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like I said, the opportunities that that show up based on performances, you know, with confidence levels, with who I am as a person, um, change, and it's pretty awesome to see. So, you made reference. You're not the favorite. You're not the number one seed. Different on the men's side. You are the defending champion. You probably are the team that's going to be coming off the bus with the target on the back. So how do you treat that a little bit differently yeah. as opposed to what you are on the women's side? No, that's, that's, a, that's great. I, we, we talked about it last night a little bit again. Um, I've been trying to kind of plant the seeds with the guys to remind them of what last year was like and what we have the potential for for this year. Um, yeah, we, we're going to have the target on our back. And, and to be honest, right now I think the guys are in a position that are, they're welcoming it. Um, they they want it. They want the challenge, uh, and I and I think they're ready for it for sure. Um, so yeah, we're, we're talking about you know the kind of strategies we're going to employ uh, to see what we can do to to, to really kind of lock it in. Um, again, nothing's ever guaranteed. Obviously, last year was a good example of that, um, where it was really questionable up until that you know our last guy comes in. So um, we'll see what we can do. But I I, th- I think that the guys have. Like I said, they're, they're prepared for it physically. They're prepared for it mentally at this point. Um, the, the conversations we're having are, st- are strong conversations regarding how we'll perform and, and what we're going to do to do it. So I, th- I think that's exciting for me because last year they didn't want to have the conversation. They, like I said, they were intimidated mm-hmm. by the thought of the conversation, not even the performance. They, they felt like the performance they could do, but the, the conversation was never had. And that's a little bit on me too. I didn't push it as much. Mm-hmm. We're trying to push that a little bit more, so they're they're prepared for it. What are if they're ready physically and they're mm-hmm. ready mentally? What mm-hmm. are some of the things that can derail that come race day? Just their own, you know, the space between the ears. Honestly, that's what it was last year. Um, that gray matter just is, is can be a bummer sometimes. <laughs> and, <laughs> Yeah, it, you're it, the first person that's ever used the phrase "gray matter" on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, the the uh, that's what it was last year. Like I said, they got off the bus; it was deer in headlights, and they were just panicked. And it was it was it was interesting to see. And I, I we tried to lighten the the mood a little bit, but there was no getting around it. They were in their own worlds. Um, there's been a couple of situations this this year alone where it's been recognized outside of our own team um, from from parents or from other coaches that I've talked with um, that looking at our team they're like a lot of individuals there 
not a, not a real team yet. And, and we're, they were absolutely right. And we're, we're still working on that. That's a daily thing for us uh, this year for guys and gals. We're, we're working on stuff. Um, but I, I really believe, you know, when they want to be to get this, to get themselves together and, and really work towards a goal, um, they're going to be really good at what they do. So I'm excited about what they have available to them now. It's just a matter of, like I said, getting past themselves a little bit. I got a question for Hallie in regards to the men's too, because I mean we talk about each team individually, and they are their own individual teams. But how's the relationship between the two teams in terms of supporting one another? Is it pretty strong? Yeah, it is pretty strong, and honestly, we're one team. We run different races, but we work together. Um, a lot of the boys help push us, and sometimes we work do workouts together or whatever. And then just that bond and the relationship and the being able to let them when they're doing their cool down or whatever and cheering us on during the race, that helps a lot when you know you got people supporting you. It does, I would think, also just kind of give you guys an extra, like, kick in your step, too, a little bit just to know that, you know, you guys don't have the target on the back that they do, mm-hmm. but that relationship kind of sometimes can push you through that as well, you know, where expectations are a little bit different for the two teams at this point in time in terms of going into the UMAC championships. But... But that being said, it's still a very cohesive unit, it sounds like, just everybody supporting one another. And that's sort of a phenomenon that you see across the, I think, the distance running community. I mean, it's usually very, very inclusive and very, very supportive of everybody. You're not going to hear too many hecklers, in other words. If any. <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> yeah, that, was, that would be kind of unfortunate, uh, to say the least. But um, it's, it, it's, it's a different kind of atmosphere, I think, in terms of on, on race day than you would see in other sports. And that's one of the things that's always fascinated me about it. And I think I've talked to Glenn. I think I've talked to you about this. And you and I have done grandma's marathons and other distance events. But it's a very uplifting thing. So it does come down to that mental space, I suppose, more than anything else. You don't have to shut out anybody that's going to be heckling you or getting in, you know, trying to, trying to bring you down because everybody's got the same attitude. Let's, you know, everybody can do it that's out here. Mm-hmm. So, Hallie, what's your, like, preparation like on a race day? Is there something specific that you do or anything like that? Um, yeah, so... My, what I've I've changed a lot actually on my preparation. Um, before I used to like come in so nervous for races and just get into my own head, and that kind of affected me during my races. But this year I've kind of stopped being nervous, honestly, and just gone into it with such a like lighter mind and goofing off with the teammates a little bit. And I like to I like to listen to music, and it kind of just gets me out of my head a little bit. And then just going on a starting line with confidence and like. I know I've done this. I know I'm prepared. There's no reason to be nervous. Well, I suppose for Glenn, that's you know trying to figure out what each runner needs to have in order to prepare the best way they can for a race is also kind of part of being the coach. You know, trying to figure out you know what is it that each each runner needs in terms of support in order to run their best race. Yeah, and I, I wish there was a simple answer to that one because that means I'd have to have 30 different responses of exactly what everybody needs. And <laughs> right, yeah. We well, have to kind of figure that out, though. That's yeah, kind of, yeah, there's a handful that I don't have a clue about. So it's, um, yeah, no, it's not easy. And, 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 yeah, that's, I can get the physical part as much as possible, preparing them, getting them in the right position to do that. Um, they still got to want to be there, yeah. honestly, and that's a lot of it at the times. Um, there are days when people don't want to race. Yeah. And I, there's nothing I can do to change that. Right. Uh, and, and we can just, you know, hope for the best that, that we're going to get a, a performance out of them and, or, or maybe not. And I don't, I don't know sometimes. Um, that's the, the, the wild card for me. Like I said, and it comes back to, like I said, space between the ears. Hallie just said it. I mean, she used to get nervous about things and, and now she's looking at it differently. And, and that comes with a little bit of that confidence of sure. the mileage or whatever. Um, so yeah, if we can continue to, to help people buy into the idea of what collegiate running is versus just running to run and not saying that one is, one is better than the other, right. just, it is what it is. But when we go into a championship, for instance, it's, there's, there's a certain level of performance that's hoped for, expected, whatever it might be. Um, and we may or may not see that someday. So that's, it is what it is. What's the course going to be like this weekend? I think it'll be a great course. This is a new one, right? Yeah, this is a brand new course. Uh, I'm really excited about this course. This course, uh, I kind of kind of liken it to a, a, a poor man's uh, Colfax, the Eau Claire course. Um, very similar in what it looks like, except the, you know the, the runners all get intimidated by Eau Claire because there are some 
significant elevation changes, okay? Not aggressive, but they're, they're long and slow climbs and long and slow declines and all this. Um, this one in Winthrop will be very similar to that, except we're cutting the, that uh, elevation change, cutting in half. I mean, so it's, it's half the height, half the, the downs, uh, half the ups. Um, in, a, in an essence, it's, it's relatively pretty flat, uh, relatively. Um, I think it'll be very fast. So I'm, I'm excited about it. I, th I think the course, you know, this will be the first time anybody's run on this course. Um, hmm. So we're going to go out there on, you know, Friday, Friday morning, Friday afternoon and, and, and kind of run it just to check it out and get a feel for the technical aspects of it. You know, coming off bridges, coming off turns, coming around corners, you name it, um, to kind of get a feel for what we need to do. But this, once we get going, I think it's going to feel very familiar to what we've run the last probably the three uh, meets we've had it's going to be similar to there's going to be portions of it that are similar to all three of them how much do you put into the pre-race course study thing is there a lot to that or is it eh, i'm just gonna well i'm just gonna go do my thing it's it's kind of scary honestly because <laughs> we've never been we've never seen this course and most of the courses we run i've done three or four times already so the fact that um we haven't even seen this one. I'm a little bit nervous. Um, but we d usually do walk the course and run the course before. I like to – a lot of about running a race is being smart of where you run. A lot of it is running tangents, trying to get the shortest race possible. So my plan is to go in before that and mark out where, I'm, where I need to be on the day of the race. Is it at all comforting that everybody – just about everybody that's going to be running in this race has never run on this course before. I mean, it sounds like not just you guys, but the other teams also are going to be, well, this is kind of brand new. I'm not quite sure what to expect here. So that kind of levels it out a little bit for you. Do you think, does that, does that help you at all? Yeah. That, that kind of makes me a little less nervous because nobody really has an advantage over the course. Then we're all kind of just going into it, not mm -hmm. knowing what to do. It's two laps. So, I mean, by the time we get to the second lap, maybe I'll know where I'm going, but <laughs> 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 just follow the flags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> I want to. I'm not a runner. I'm not either. But I like I do my inline thing, mm -hmm. and I, I do my skate. And mm -hmm. typically race day, everybody has a little more juice, mm -hmm. and the pace generally is a tad faster than what you are used to when you're right. training. You'll see people fly out of the chute. And by mile five, you're passing them, and they're on the side of the road because they've they're tired. They've, they've used it up already. Yep, use it up. How do you guard against that? Because I'm sure you feel the same thing on race day. Everybody has a little bit more juice, and there's going to be people that come out hot. I I imagine. Okay, now what do, what do we say every <laughs> meet? What do we say every meet before we start? Hallie, don't go out fast. <laughs> and what does Hallie do? Hallie goes out fast. <laughs> Um, it's kind of natural, though. Like, that's kind of yeah. your natural instinct is to go, okay, I'm going to go dominate this thing. I am like, the type yeah. of runner that likes to sprint out of the chute. I've been working on it. I've, I've really <laughs> been trying to. But it, I'm kind of – I don't really know how it's going to go on conference because I am going to be in the top of the pack there, so I am going to have to set the pace. And so my plan is to hold myself back a little bit in the beginning. But So – what I would say to that is this. Any race we go to, again, the field goes out too fast. It's just what happens. And so one of the comments we always make is be patient, right? Be, mm -hmm. be patient and, hold, you know, just run within yourselves a little bit. Even when you try to do that, you're still going to be going too right. fast, which is, it's an automatic. So I go into this knowing they're all going to be too fast. And so when they come through it the first kilometer and I'm like, way too hot, you know, but, but it is what it is. And at this point, we're going to try to do what we can to mitigate the damage um, and just kind of maintain and trying to hold on to that to that rate, um, which is not always possible. But for the most part, I would say, especially you know the gals, a lot of the gals this year, they've gone out too hot. They've done enough to hold on to be able to still again PR by a lot, right? You know, which is awesome. Five um, k, six k's, we can get away with that a little bit more. Once you start getting to that eight k race of the men's, you can't cheat anymore. And mm -hmm. so if you go out too hot, you get punished in the end. Yeah. Uh, and that's why we try to encourage those guys to really kind of back off even more so through one, two, even 3K before we can kind of let them cut loose and really start to build into something. So, yeah, there's different looks at different different uh, for the different genders. But ultimately, everybody goes out too fast. Mm -hmm. And so 
part of it too, when we train, you know, just the idea of our 1K, 2K workouts where we're doing a, a race distance workout. We're running a 1K at a time or 2K at a time, depending on where we're at in the workout. But I'll send them out in that first K. All right. I want you to find it. Find the pace. Typically, we get through that first part of that work, that 1K, and it's still too fast. Yep. That's expected. That's why we do it to burn them out a little bit. And then we drop them into 2Ks. And now we're trying to run a pace that, that matches what we're trying to shoot for. Mm-hmm. Again, as you said, race day, you know, people are a little bit jacked up. Yep. Yep. And so meet our practice days, we, we're like, oh, this is hard. Yep. And that's what the effort should feel like. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. yep. So now we're starting to get them to feel for something rather than what is it? Yep. What is it? What is it? Right. Right. And so it's balancing out a little bit. And then we get to the end of that workout. We all right, cut her loose. Whatever you got left. Yep. We're mimicking the race. That's what we're trying to do. The hard part is realizing where that holding off in that first part of that race is. Right. It's really difficult. It, it is. You can't gauge yeah. it. Yeah. It is. Well, you've done it. I have. And, I, yeah. you know, or all of a sudden you, you look at the clock and go, uh-oh. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know. I got so, 15 miles left in this thing. And right. And I, I should not be at this point already. Well, and so. I've seen it in broadcasting Grandma's Marathon. I mean, you see it with the pros. A lot yep. of times they'll, they'll go out and they'll fade badly in the stretch because, you know, they've misjudged the, the pace when somebody will come up and catch them and then go past them. Especially you know? in our regional races, um, I'll always tell everybody, if you can be patient enough to watch them run away from you, you'll come back to the people you're supposed to be running with because they'll, they'll drop. They'll drop hard because everybody will go out just w- extremely hot. And if you can just be patient enough with yourself to run within yourself early, you're going to be passing so many people as you're going along versus the alternative, which is never fun to watch people flying by you. Right. Right. Well, it's, it's kind of dealing with that psychology too of, Oh, there they go. Now my race is over, but I still have six K to run. Yeah. It's a lot so. easier to be in the middle of the race and trying to pick mm-hmm. when you start catching people. It's a lot more motivating than mm-hmm. right. I'm starting to yeah. pass you. But it's, it's sort of like that natural instinct though, especially as a competitor that you want to always be up with the front people the entire time. Rip. And that's just yep. that's just not how running works, especially distance running. I feel like you know, especially if they come out super hot. Yeah. You know, I mean, some there's there's the rare athlete that'll come out and, and can, well, it's yeah, it, it depends it on the race yeah. and the situation and and all that. But you know, different races require different things. And you know, obviously this this weekend Hallie will will have a different look than she's had most of the season because there's there's some incredible races we've run this year. You know, some yeah. of the best in the nation, um, and we're 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 just watching what they're doing, you know, to see what it takes to be there, you know, right? Um, so, yeah, this this weekend, I mean, our girls will be some of the, the front runners in this race versus being in the middle to being the top watched third. Yeah, right. watching. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it'll be a different look for them. Um, but that, that comes with the territory, and they'll be fine. I'm glad you kind of brought that up because it's been a pretty rugged schedule. Mm-hmm. You know, you haven't run a lot of races, but there's been a lot of quality in the ones that, mm-hmm. that you have been a part of. What's the strategy behind that? I mean, I, I, like you said, it is seeing what it takes. Yeah. But is there more to it than that? Or is it, you know, I just want to get them in the, in the best possible environment so when we get the championship time, they do know what it takes? A little bit of everything there. Um, I, I progressively make our schedule so it's, it's progressively harder as we go along. Um, I'm, you know, putting us in situations where we're running against better and better fields every every time we compete mm-hmm. um number one conference championships regional you know performances these are the ultimate goal all right part of the ncaa we want to perform as best we can and that's what we're going to do you know so we got to see what it takes and we got to be able to compete against the best you know within you know while we're not regionally ranked uh yet uh, our goal is to continue to get to that point um the only way to do it is to run against some of those regionally ranked or nationally ranked teams. That's how you get those rankings. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we're going to continue to put ourselves in a position to run exceptional meets throughout the course of our season. And they, like I said, they, they ramp up as they go. The pressure of those races, I mean, whether they think so, I mean, they get nervous. You know, we were down Rock Island last week. That was a loaded That was field. a loaded field. Well, the original is always loaded, I think. It's and much, uh, yeah. yeah, with that, just watching all those teams, I mean, I think Hollywood, these girls are good. You know, a little bit of nerves there, right? When we get to conference or regionals, they've been feeling that all year long. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Now, now yep. it's like, well, we've been seeing this, this kind of pressure. All, no, it's no big deal. It's just yep. another day at the races. 
yep, let's do it, right? Instead of finally seeing it for the first time at conference or regionals, that's, that's a little more than I want to put in front of them right away. Mm -hmm. So I, I'm trying to prepare them for a lot of ways. Well, you can kind of tell too that I'm glad you brought up the fact that you like build up as you go because mm -hmm. you can really see that in the scheduling. Yep. I mean, when you get to the blue gold and you get to the inter regional, it's mm -hmm. now you're seeing the top dogs, not mm -hmm. only in the region, but in the country. Yeah. And this is something that Glenn and I have talked about is the fact that the region is just loaded. Yeah. I mean, the best runners in the country are in the Midwest region or in the, in the North region. Well, the two, the two combined, yeah. I mean, these, these, these upper Midwest is is insane. I mean, there are some really good teams in other regions, of course, but the depth of it alone, just within the North and the Midwest, um, just incredible. Why is that? What 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 is it about the region that Glenn and I have talked about this too in his office? Yeah, there, the volume there's, there's a lot, of runners that are yeah. At that, there's that a level. lot to be said about that, and I and I and I anything I say will be controversial enough to get people pissed off at me, but. <laughs> I honestly, you Bring know, it. The, mid, the Midwest, the Midwest, just athletes in general, we're a hardy bunch. You know, you look at a lot of even D1 or D2 programs out of the region that are out West. Or their teams are, there's a lot of Midwest kids on those, on those rosters. A lot of kids from Wisconsin, a lot of kids from Minnesota, a lot of kids from Illinois and Iowa. And it's, they're not running here, but that's the talent that just, it's everywhere, right? It's just everywhere. It's just so deep. Um, and they, they don't quit. You know, they just keep coming. So yeah, we're always we're always facing talent. You know, regardless of what meet we're in the Midwest at, it's just a deep field all the time. Is the coaching at the youth level good too? I mean, good enough? Is that also part of it? Not just the athletes, but the the coaching. It, it doesn't keep up with the level of athlete that they have. You mean below? Yeah, below the college level. I mean, like in building up to that. Yeah, there's some, yes, there's some exceptional coaching okay. out there for sure. But I'll say it. I've said it before. I've had a high school coach tell me this a long time ago, and I, I still believe it. You know, running is not rocket science. Okay, it, it's there's work. You got to yep. get out that door, and the more you can commit to the effort, the better you're going to be. Right here, right. This is yep. it, it shows, and and when you have those kind of coaches that can help those athletes get to that point where they're buying into. Yeah, I'm going to do 45 to 50, 55 to 60, 65 to 70 miles or more. Yeah, you're going to start to see some performance changes. You know what I mean? So a lot of the depth of those of the fields are, are entire teams buying into that kind of mileage. And, and then they can throw them into the work. You can't do the work, the intensity work, the, the speed work, that kind of stuff, without the base level. Mm -hmm. If you don't do that, you're not going to be where you need to be. Well, here's a question for Hallie then also, going back to this this point about the athletes. Do you still run with some of your former uh, high school teammates at all? Um, I haven't seen most of them for a while. I did a couple summers ago run with some of them. Okay. A lot of them went on to uh, run at other colleges too, but okay. kind of left them. It's kind of sad. <laughs> I do miss well, I, running with them. Well, I was about to say, like, because I, I feel like the running community is just very supportive no matter who they run with or who they, you know, I mean, and coming from Superior, being a Superior girl, um, you know, I'm sure that you had teammates also that, that, you know, were fun to run with in high school and, you know, they're around maybe, you know, that you can keep in contact with them. So it really is one of those things where, you know, the depth of talent is there. Like, like you know, like Glenn said, it's just, it, it's kind of, it feels like it's almost like a natural fit for the Midwest in a way. <laughs> I don't know how else to put it, but yeah, I mean, you because Glenn, you and I have talked about this before, mm -hmm. and uh, it is kind of an interesting phenomenon, you know, how how that kind of transpired. There's a, there's a lot. Well, of anybody runners. who wants to get out the door when it's thirty below <laughs> and snowy and icy, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you're committed, you know. I mean, so they're like I said, they're a hardy bunch. They're they're going to get after it no matter what. Conversely, we've got Simone Stevens on our team, right, from Arizona. You know, somebody who's used to 100-degree weather, and she gets out the door, too. So she's, you know, there, there's different versions of hardiness. But, sure. Right, yeah. But she's like, oh, I love this. This is going to be great. I don't have to, you know, wait till 10 p.m. to run. You know? Right, so. Right, yep. What is the, where does your hardiness draw the line? <laughs> what is the, yeah, what is the, the high-end <laughs> temp and the low-end temp where you just go, I'm out? Um. Runners are insane. <laughs> you, it's I, we're psychopaths. I don't. There's no other way to explain it. Like, if I don't get my run in, I won't be satisfied with my day. I'll find some way to run. I'll run on the treadmill. I'll 
You're, I don't know, we're crazy. Mm-hmm. That's something that Tyler Finger actually kind of said similarly <laughs> when we had him on a couple of years ago, and now he's an assistant coach. But, um, yeah, he kind of said, you just have to accept that it's going to hurt, and that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's like, you just have to make sure you go out there and do it. He's like, because he used to say that even when it was really cold out, he tried to get in the field house and run as much as possible. And he said, it's not my favorite thing to do because the field house is, is hard to run on. And I don't know, Hallie, if you've had the same experience that he had. but Yeah, I think it's worse not running than running in those conditions, honestly. Yeah, because he said, but yeah, we're, I think we're, there's something off with us. He said yeah. something to that effect. Like, just, we're just crazy. Yeah, it's like we just we can't not have our five or six mile run. We no. just can't go without it. No. <laughs> like, it's just part of our DNA. To which me and John are both like, uh, not, in, not in my yeah. DNA. Yeah, yeah. We would just kind of nod and say, yeah, yeah, I got to get your time in. Allie, do you run events like Grandma's Marathon or do you run any of that kind of stuff during the summer? I did do um, Grandma's Half. Okay. Um, not last summer, but the summer before that. Okay. Um, I did really enjoy that. But um, I think that's my goal for after college sports because I'm going to need something. I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do, but I can't compete every weekend. I'm going to lose my mind, so I'm going to have to start doing those fun runs and Grandma's Marathon just to keep me motivated. <laughs> yeah, just to just have something to do and, yeah. and uh, yeah, keep it going. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me also to see how many of the runners actually do participate in Grandma's Marathon, either whether it's the, the, the 5K or the half or the full. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, most of the – because you see you, – I see a lot of the college runners, like UMD, CSS, or – UWSC, they're running the half of the 5K. So mm-hmm. um, that's a that's a nice kind of built-in training module too, I suppose, in a way. <laughs> I mean, I would just imagine that that's that's a nice little thing that we that we have that a lot of other places don't have too, because sure. it gets you that kind of that extra little step of competition, also that feeling of competition again during during the summer that most places don't want to have that. So that's a little bit of an advantage too, I would think, from a psychological standpoint. I think it's a good note to end on. Yeah. Yeah. Again, big week with the UMAC Championships coming up on Saturday. And uh, as we hit the stretch run for the fall sports here, you know, there's going to be an awful lot on the line. There's a lot of hardware up um, up for grabs this week. A lot of hardware up for grabs. And if we want to keep our friend Uncle Jerry at the end of the hallway, you know, hopefully we keep keep bringing that hardware home. Right, right. Coach Drexler, Helly Barker, best of luck at the UMAC Championships this weekend. Thanks for coming by. Thank you, guys. Thank you. That'll do it for this episode of Via the Swarm. For Coach Drexler, Hallie Barker, the Big Sound Matt Johnson, I am John Garber. Hope you'll join us next week, and thank you for watching Eye of the Swarm.